When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Iron Horse joins us, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, uh, just what you wanted, uh, Mark Cranach to, to run and hide. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I don't think Sharpie's hearing us. <laughs> right Do back. you hear us? All right. All right, well, Schmidt, I guess you and this I is... can just roll for a second here until we yeah, figure out the situation good. with Gary. This is strange. I'm looking. He he's got that look of befuddlement on his face, like he doesn't know why he can't hear us. Um, and I would try to talk him through it, but then I realized he can't hear us. So, yeah, we'll shoot him a text and uh, get it figured out. We we can hear him. Let's see, yeah, Sharpie, you got us, partner. Ah, the technical difficulties of uh, starting mm-hmm. this show out in an online only sense. Mm-hmm. Again, this yeah. does uh, open up a lot of opportunities for us, though, and we are back. Sharpie, how are you, man? Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Good. Um, are you just in a dark room, or have you been kidnapped? Uh, no, I'm in the uh, home office today. I like it. I like it, man. No, every time there's a dark backdrop and, and we've got you in front of the camera, it looks like somebody's about to ask us for money to free you. So. <laughs> I, I just hope nobody just runs by just a random. <laughs> we were we were kind of going down memory lane with, I don't know, our, our careers and the, the fact that we've been doing stuff together before Elijah was born. He pointed that out. Uh, which oh, was wow. which was humbling <laughs> and scary at the same time. But yeah. we 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 got into that enforcer type personality or player on a Nebraska on a given Nebraska team. Uh, Richie Incognito and Dominican Sue, the Peter brothers specifically. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Nebraska has that guy uh, on. Matt Rule's first team because there's been a lot of a learning sharpie that's that's gone on, not only from teammates to teammates but also with Matt Rule and his staff with this team. I mean, there's there's been a there's been a, a, a reason for for everything they've done, even with the Husker Olympics. Right? What are some athletes in different settings that maybe we see more of and and can use on the football field in a different way? You know, you know, and that's a good point. And as a pretty good winter conditioning is wrapped up where you don't hear as many people that have like absorbed the content going, Oh, you can't, you can't drink the Kool-Aid because I think Matt rule has done a really good job in a hundred plus days on the, on the job of explaining the why like Monday was very interesting press conference with Matt rule, chief borders and Thomas Fedoni because rule explained the why of why they're having commitment week, why they're having Olympics, why they're doing this, why Fedoni and borders are there. And I think when you have somebody that's in charge, especially the passion towards Nebraska football, and we all want content and we all want to know what's going on. When you have a head coach that explains the why, people get an understanding. And, and I think everything he's done has a reason, has a meaning. And you can, in your head, maybe you don't know the full meaning, but you can put it together and go, okay, I see a plan here. 
But he's also done something that I think has been preached around Nebraska football for a while. And it's the phrase of becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's, it's not just football. It's, it's like in, in, a, in your business world, in your life, whatever. And I think they put guys in situations where they're uncomfortable, but they're comfortable doing it. And I think those the kind of things that build up can help you when you get to the fall and you get stressed and you're in the fourth quarter. So I think everything they've done has a meaning. It's not just, okay, it's winter conditioning. We got to do this. We got to build guys up. We got to get stronger. We got to get faster. They've done it from the team bonding, which I don't know that this publicly we've seen as much team bonding as this staff has put together in a short amount of time. Um, but now we're all curious to see how it works because I also don't think we're going to have a normal spring practice like, hey, you just go out there and you practice for a couple of hours and we culminate with a game. I think it'll be a, a very intriguing practice structure that I think will also get the why of, you know, why they're doing it this way that'll eventually help them when they get back, when they get to the part of the season where they keep score. Gary, you mentioned the the team bonding aspect of, of this team commitment week and what we've seen over the past few weeks and months, but I want to get your take. I mean, obviously you need to get team bonding with any team because every single year there's going to be new faces coming to the, to the forefront and new guys that need to get integrated. But did the teams of years past, specifically the Scott Frost years, look like teams that weren't close and weren't bonded to you? And like this is something that was really necessary for Matt Rule to get off the start? Or do you think this is just the baseline of what Matt Rule wants to bring to Nebraska, that, you know what, we're going to have close teams? Well, which side of that fence are you on? No, I think that's a fair question, Elijah. And I, and I think everybody does it a different way. Everybody might not call it mat drills, but they have some sort of mat drills. I think the thing that I take away, and you know, you, you bond a lot during winter conditioning. If you don't, and during summer conditioning, then what are we doing here? I think the incorporation of coaches into it, where I've seen a more bonding between players and coaches and vice versa. And, and that's important because it's a new staff. And essentially, outside of one guy, you don't know anybody if you're a player. You don't know your strength and conditioning coach. You don't know your position coach. But at 6 a.m., they're there, right there with you in the grind of it. I think that says a lot in getting to know each other, but also knowing that it's a top-to-bottom commitment. And I, and I think there were probably times when it got stressed over the last five years where players went, man, our coach is in it for me. All the coaches, not just my position coach. And so if you start thinking that way and you know that, man, at 6 a.m., Evan Porter was right there running drills with me. You're like, okay, these guys are in it. We're all together. It's not just, hey, you know what? We're out there recruiting. We're going to replace you. It's, hey, no, you're part of the team, and we're going to move this together. And so all those, like, little things, we'll, we'll, we'll harken back to these conversations when we get into the heart of the fall to see, okay, did that have a meaning? And then did that have a reason on why Nebraska made a step forward, why they won a game like this where they got stressed and they could have been in the past really uncomfortable well, they didn't look uncomfortable, whether it be their bonding, whether it be their coaching, or whether it be just their physical condition mentally and physically. He said something interesting, uh, Coach Rule did, Gary, about – I don't remember if it was on the network or if it was at, at the podium session, but said something about contact quality. <clears throat> I don't know if you heard that. Did you hear that? Yep. It really yep. stuck out to me, because, and it was within the context of like how physical are you going to be in the spring. And man, when he said that, I was just, I've never heard a put like that before. I think you hear about that in baseball, <laughs> but yeah. I've never really heard about that in football where it's just like, yeah, okay, you know, there's going to be collisions. But what he's saying is it's like, how, how good are you at collisions, basically? 
And I'm like, yeah. And if you're going to point at one thing or two, a couple things that kind of separate the really good teams from the not-so-good teams, it that's a huge, huge factor. That's that's kind of what we were talking about with Tommy Hill back in the day, right? Like, yeah, of why he probably got pulled off the defensive backfield is because his contact quality <laughs> was not very good when when blocks were happening, right? Um, do you think that'll be a hallmark of this team, if not this year, eventually? Okay, so I, I took it this way, and, and going back to something I just said, there's always a reason behind what they're doing, and I think when he says quality contact. Mark Banker's not standing at the door opening up going, bloodbath, 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 they come on in. He's going to be, if we're going to practice, we're going to practice with a meaning. And we're not just going to go out there and just hammer on each other. We're going to have contact, but it's going to be football contact. It's not going to be, hey, we're not wearing pads, so let's have a bull rush drill and see what our offensive linemen can do, which I think is absolutely ridiculous to do that with no pads on. That's just my own personal thing. So I think that we'll have when they have contact and they hit, it will have a meaning and a purpose, and it will make sense. Instead of, it's just a day we're putting on pads, let's just go out there and beat the snot out of each other. It's going to be, we're going to play football the right way, and we're going to teach guys the right way to have contact, and that, you know what, there is a quality of contact. It's not just going out and just slobber-knocking the guy in front of you. It's, yeah, you're doing that, but this is what you're doing. You're moving him off a spot. So, see, I, I think he's always... That's why I think he is feeding into the media and the fan base here, and it's not a bad thing because we like to talk football, and Matt Rule is talking football. And so when he starts to get into that conversation, like you alluded to, Mark, on Monday, man, we go to a whole different level and we go, wow, here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> I just wonder, and, and, and I wonder, you know, when we, if we see any practices or we see the spring game, if that kind of stuff, we immediately see contact, and we go, okay, that makes sense. It's not just guys just, you know, a car crash going on. It's contact with a purpose. And I think that's how his practice structure will be, which will benefit some guys that I think last year, they got a little bit confused on what the purpose of practice was. That you're supposed to have something when you walk out of practice every day that I learned and I got better instead of, okay, it's just I'm supposed to be there from 8 to 10.45. I filled my two-hour and 45-minute commitment. Now what do I do? Yeah. That's well put. I mean, are you going to get better? Is it going to enhance your ability? Are you going to be able to apply it to Saturday? Will it help you Saturday to defeat said opponent? And there's always, we go back to this plan that Rule has, this big picture. Every step's been about preparation, hasn't it, Sharpie? I mean, he's getting a guy, a position group, depth, X, Y, Z, all parts of the program prepared in, in different increments, which um, it's not worked the past several years. And well, this way may be the way it can get better and, and Nebraska eventually gets over the hop. So let me ask you, Schmitty, and, and for Elijah and Mark, and, and we all are in, in the business world, either in the radio world or outside of it. Is it okay to have a micromanager? Because Matt Rule, to me, and this is not a negative connotation, Matt Rule, to me, strikes me as very much a micromanager, but probably where Nebraska football has been, that's important to have a micromanager. I think in college football, if you're not winning or you're not rolling per se, 
Yeah, you have to have a micromanager. And it, uh, it comes down to your situation. If you are you able to handle a hands off approach? Do you have internal leadership or people that are good enough that they don't need babysat? It really comes down to, to what do you have working for you? Okay. And, are you underperforming? If you're yeah. underperforming, micromanaging can help. Sure. And quite frankly, it's necessary. I'd rather go this way if I'm a Nebraska football fan with a guy that is absolutely hands on and has coached ever enough of the different positions. What are we talking about? Offensive and defensive line? Yeah. Coach Rule knows that. So, yeah, he is an absolute micromanager, but that's good. Nebraska needs that. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't there, but I don't know how hands on Coach Frost was. I don't know how hands-on Coach Riley was. And we all know Bo was pretty involved with what he wanted defensively that, that worked out okay. I know that they had some some tough games, cool. but yeah, give me give me give me a micromanager because guess what? Yeah. I think that's what Saban is. I think that's what Dabo is, and I think that's what Harbaugh is. I think Ryan Day, they all know what's I think absolutely yeah. James Franklin's a micromanager. Where do you want to go as a program? Uh, well, let's yep. go into that group of the Bamas of the world. They're micromanagers, period. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. You're going to say something, Elijah? Yeah, I, was, I think back to that that story that uh, Will Compton told about Bo Pliny walking into the brass rail and walking up and down O Street, making sure his players weren't there because they got to get up in the morning. I don't see a guy like Mike Riley or Scott Frost going and doing that and, and checking on the players, but that's the kind of, of micromanagement that was necessary at Nebraska at the time for Nebraska to go find successes. You know what? Your head coach is going to be walking up and down O Street looking to see if he sees any Husker yeah. football players to make sure they're doing what they need to do. And then you got guys going on checking on them in class, making sure they're in class and over there so they're going to be. And <laughs> hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, we all know there's a joke in there about. No, I know it. That's not where I'm going. That's not where I'm going. That's not where I'm going. He's already at the rail. No, yeah, yeah. Didn't need, to, didn't need to search. No, that's not where I was going. But thank you, Mark. My 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 point was. Hey, players, think of, get out of here. Think about getting caught. Only. Think about getting caught at the bar. The bar by 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 your head football coach. You'd have to at least buy him a drink before he kicks your ass next morning, wouldn't you? <laughs> Coach, you caught me. What do you have? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you got me. Sorry. Meet my two friends here. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, yeah. Well yeah, done with the Aries. micromanagement. <laughs> pretty good. Getting a shame burrito. Uh-huh. Where's Coach? You know, the people people that alluded to Frost always being late. Maybe it was because of the shame burrito the night before. He just, you know, my he was Lord. he was gonna be yeah. on time. Burrito. Yeah. He was he was gonna be on wow. time. Hey, Schmitty he was, was late to a Saturday be, but... morning show a couple weeks ago because of a shame Burger King run. I get it. I get that it. was no good. We got to <laughs> delete that from all files. That was bad. Hey, so while we're at, while we're at this, I got a couple of connections here. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong or not. Tim Miles is the Matt Rule of college basketball, and there's a lot of similarities between Scott Frost and Patrick Ewing. I'll hang up and listen, guys. Love the show. <laughs> Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> a lot of similarities between Frost and Pat. There, I mean, hmm. Back to their alma mater when it was supposed to work, and they are mm-hmm. beloved at their alma mater. The, <sighs> never worked out at, so, at all. And then why I say Tim Miles, 
because Matt Rule is like the second-year guy. Miles turns a lifeless program around, whether it be Nebraska basketball wasn't lifeless when he took over from Doc, but you saw what he did year two. Mm-hmm. San Jose State was lifeless in what he did year two at San Jose State. And we all know people can just rattle off year one to year two at Temple, year one to year two at Baylor. These are just things I think about when we're waiting for spring football and to move our clocks ahead. And I can't remember, yeah, if, I, and I can't remember if I've tomorrow. told this story or not, but I was umpiring youth baseball way back when. It's like my senior year of high school. And there's this one guy behind the backstop that just keeps on talking to me in between innings. And I'm like trying to ignore this guy. He's just, you know, trying to be nice. I think he maybe he's had a couple cold ones. And it turns out I didn't recognize him because he had a low hat and like sunglasses, but it was Tim Miles just sitting behind the backstop talking to the home plate umpire in a junior <laughs> salt dogs game. Every single and if there's anybody that would be in Nebraska's current athletic department, it would totally be Matt Rule, the guy that just stands behind the backstop and wants to just talk all day long with the umpire. Like, I, I see the comparison there. It actually kind of checks out. Slight difference between Patrick Ewing and Scott Frost in that Georgetown just looks like they had never – like, do they practice? Like, they, they just don't even look like they were cohesive in any way, shape, or form. At least Frost had, had them sort of close to winning games sometimes. And, and, I, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm more looking at – they came back to their alma mater. They were supposed to bowl game, bowl game, NCAA appearance, NCAA appearance. And between yeah. the two of them, uh, they had a combined 11 years, and they got to one NCAA tournament. Well, here's the thing, though, with Patrick. is that like Look, he made a lot of money, but he spends a lot of money. So <laughs> that's the thing with – that's a little bit different yeah. with him. This is you wild know. that you have so much knowledge of Patrick Ewing's off-the-court – doings <laughs> yeah saw him in atlanta one time stop 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 not saying that at all um by the way gary we, we were talking earlier about you know difference maker and forcer types on a football yeah. team and richie incognito's name came up and i told the story about how back at the network and you were at the network at the time um one of my jobs was to find the new recruits to get them to come on the show you know back in the day yeah. like and Getting Richie Incognito on the horn, you had to go through his dad, who, by the way, yeah, rest conspiracy in peace. theory, re- yes. totally, RIP, but conspiracy theory, last name's Incognito, he talks like this, he's, hey, we, we, we look for big <laughs> yes, Richie, yeah. a little Richie, yeah. <laughs> and he's in, the, he's in the middle of Phoenix, I mean, just witness protection program written all over it. We, we don't know. We don't know this, but you can you can vouch for that because I, I guarantee if, yes. if you had worked with Richie Jr., you had to kind of go through Richie Sr. He's like, what are you guys doing up there in Nebraska? You know, you get it. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of what it takes. You know who's, uh, who quietly I think could be fit the role of this discussion is, and he doesn't, when he's away from the field, he doesn't come across this way because he's such a nice guy. Teddy Prohaska. Oh. If Teddy Prohaska is fully healthy, which, uh, you know, he, he's – I think he's further along than, you know, you thought he'd be with his shoulder at, at this point. I mean, if if he's if he's doing a fireman's carry, I think I think he's feeling okay. Is Teddy Prohaska can be nasty on the field. But then when he walks away from the field, he's a super nice, quiet guy, just a big old, you know, big old offensive lineman. He could be uh, that guy. Um, I'm curious to see, like a guy like Ben Scott, what that extra mm-hmm. gear is. I'm also there's probably guys like a Corcoran and a Ben Hart who take a lot of, you know, scrutiny. That yeah. if they play with if they play with confidence and 
they feel better about their body and what they're supposed to do with their body, then those guys might be like nasty guys up front. You know, and I'm sure that Noelle has, uh, you know, a whole year off of uh, pent-up uh, frustration. But I'll tell you another guy in this mix, Dominic Riola was nasty. I mean, he – and he didn't try and hide yeah. it either. I mean, he would go yeah. hard after guys – and he would have to hear the whistle blown and then maybe a half second after and he'd be like, okay. I mean, he was he he was a guy you did not want to face on Saturdays because he never stopped. Yeah. Did he did he go after Bevo or is that just urban legend? Um, I don't know that he went after him. I, I will I will tell you this. I would because I was doing the sidelines. Remember yeah. the game down in Norman in two thousand? Yes. Um so Nebraska got up 14 nothing, and we were all feeling really, really good. I mean, oh, that was yeah. a, that's a national championship OU team, and Nebraska's rolling. So they go up 14 nothing. Game day is there. Herb Street and Corso are standing right next to the Nebraska bench. Dom comes over, and back then, and I think it's still the case, but you remember there was hardly any room on the sidelines in Norman or Stillwater back in the day. But the student section was directly behind the Nebraska bench. And, you know, while you were learning all kinds of new words out of the Oklahoma student <laughs> section – they would just be giving it to Nebraska. So Nebraska goes up 14-0. Riola, halfway off the field, takes off his helmet and just stares into the student section and stands in front of the Nebraska bench and is challenging OU students to come on the field. <laughs> After Nebraska goes up 14 nothing, and he's, like, looking at and nobody's taking him up on it. Like, no one was, like, even jokingly saying, like, oh, I'm there, me. I'm there. He just stood there with his helmet off and chewing on his mouthpiece, just staring into the student section. He goes, you want a piece? You want a piece? And I'm like, oh, this could be fun. And Gary, <laughs> Gary, how important is Dom it? Dom versus the field. Yeah. Uh, give me Dom. <laughs> Gary, how important is it to have one of those guys on your lines of scrimmage on a football team, do you think? Is that 100% paramount? You think back through the history of Husker football, it feels like whenever you had a good yeah. team, you had one of those mean, nasty guys along the line of scrimmage. Does that have to come from there on the football field? I think you need one of those guys on your football team in general, but do you need one of those guys on the lines of scrimmage? Yeah, I absolutely. It would be great to have all five like the pipeline. But, you know, Cam Juergens was that guy as well. We just kind of, you know, Cam Juergens, his last year at Nebraska, which he was really, really good, got kind of overshadowed. He was that guy. It was just not downfield blocking against Oklahoma. I mean, there were a lot of times that Cam was nasty. I mean, he'd get after it a little bit, and he'd, he'd stretch it. So, yeah, you'd love to have five, but you got to have one of those guys because I think – when you have somebody like that whose motor is always going, it's contagious. Yeah. Sharpie, we'll get you out on this. Uh, a thought on Nebraska basketball, their season. Do you remember the journey, or is Minnesota the lasting impression? And then <laughs> just a quick thought of, of the A final tonight with, uh, with, with Bell West and, and Millard North. They had a successful season. They're 16 and 16. The, the, to me, it's a successful season. Um, it's the whole body of work. Uh, I, I think this team became very likable. I think people had fun again watching Nebraska basketball. But to be honest, on Wednesday night, Nebraska basketball went Nebraska basketball. They had an opportunity. They couldn't take advantage of it. And they kind of did it to themselves. Did they get another opportunity? I actually looked at the NIT bracketology before I came on. They're in one of the brackets going to New Mexico. So oh, that would be my- a good way for... Derek Walker and Sam Griesel to continue their career. But this is now shifts to every single moment you have to prepare. How do I on this weekend next year either be in the tournament or be in the discussion? Because there's no ifs, ands, or buts. 
Uh, the Class A final tonight, you guys saw Bellevue West, man. They are a juggernaut trying to go unbeaten for the first time since that Central team in 12. Uh, they can turn it on. They have spurtability, as we like to say. Uh, hmm. Plus, they have a, a great collection of guards, and they have so much depth. Miller North has played them uh, before. They played a great three quarters against them, but then that fourth quarter hit. If they can avoid those big runs like Bellevue West had last night against Westside, then Miller North will hang around. they got to hit some threes. But, man, this is a Bellevue West team. I don't know if they're going to be amongst the best two, three, five in Class A all time, but they're a really, really good basketball team. Um, I just hope we get a good game uh, and we get a tight uh, final. But for the fourth straight year, these two programs meet. Wouldn't that be something that they Jeez. bookend it? Because three years ago today, we basically shut down sports and this country, and Bellevue West and Millard North played that that great uh, state yeah. final. Well, great to Bellevue West fans, not Millard North, as Bellevue West came back down 16 to win it. Millard North's won the last two. Maybe Bellevue West on the last boy Dotzler to play at Bellevue West they win the state title. They've had 14 siblings at Bell West. 12 have played basketball. They got one left. It's a girl that's a sophomore. That's a heck of a family for Bellevue West. But Josiah Dosler has a chance to go out with another title tonight. Gary, quickly, I know we said last thought, but this Bellevue West-Millard North rivalry that we've seen in the state title game for the last four years, where does it rank in your memory of Nebraska high school basketball just in terms of two teams that keep on battling year after year for the state title? I think it's right up there because I think when it's all said and done, there's going to be plenty of Division One basketball talent that played in this game from four years ago, three years ago, now into the fourth year. I, I think that kind of that kind of helps with the the rivalry. You know, Central never had like a true rivalry during their run. Bellevue West and Millard North have definitely been a uh, rivalry. I'm just hoping for a good game. Also, will you guys help me with the Nebraska baseball team real quick? Can we get the nickname Dude. Corn Crunchers going the with all the home runs they're hitting? The Corn Crunchers. Turn off your camera. I know you don't like that. Corn crushers. Corn crushers or crunchers? Crushers. Crushers. No win. Okay, I can get behind that a little bit more. The corn crushers. Now, by the way, these dudes. The love. These dudes as a team. Shirts or bumper well, stickers. Just, can, can, you, can you talk me through it a little bit more? Your rationale for corn crushers? I mean, aside they hit from. hit home runs, man. They're crushing the ball. Elijah, when the ball goes over the fence, that's called a home run. And then the guys run around the bases. Yeah. Sometimes you get to go by yourself. Others, you follow maybe three other teammates. <laughs> and the way that they are hitting the baseball over the fence or period, I would like to have them called the corn crushers. So, by the way, team batting average of 335 would be – it's basically top 10 in the country right now. Yes. Which is pretty good. Uh, home runs-wise, I'm not sure that they're quite up there yet. I'm just 20. They have 21, don't they, as a team? Uh, let's see. Let's see. What no, I think got. they have 25 now. 25? Yeah. 25, yes. Yeah. So that would be approximately top 15. We are in corn Alabama's crusher territory with 25 home runs. Yeah. And so, by the way, speaking of baseball and nicknames, props to Chris Schmidt. I think he came up with my all-time favorite nickname. He came up with it, and it actually kind of stuck. Uh, Shane Komene, the Hawaiian yeah. punch-out. Yes. Mm. I mean, that's like – that's some next-level nickname stuff right there. I'll get, man. I, I hope I hope Schmitty has that on his resume. The Hawaiian punch-out. I do not. Punch it was inspired by, was okay, perfect. we're out of orange juice. What can I mix vodka with? So we went with <laughs> vodka and Hawaiian punch, and it knocked me out. So we just uh, transferred it to the uh, – the flamethrower from Hawaii. The, 
the other part of Nebraska baseball, besides their great plate, I mean, we're we're talking Max Anderson, and we're bringing up Ken Harvey. And I know it's way early, but you know, mm-hmm. Ken Harvey hit four seventy eight. Is the other part of this team? And last night you got a, a great performance out of Olson. So Olson and Kaminsky, I think, are a nice combo. How about the fact that they're able to pick it? This is a good start defensively. They're not booting it all over the ballpark. And I think now, what are we up to? Seven straight games without an error? Yeah. So that's that's another stat that right there along with home runs, which, by the way, are up around college baseball. So I'm sure we're going to get the story about the college baseball is different this year. But the fact that Nebraska is able to defensively, because remember last year they gave away so many free outs. um, That could be another sign that this team is – this team's going to be a factor. This team's got a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. And, and we talked opening weekend when, when they struggled against San Diego. Look what San Diego's doing. So this is a, this is a nice little start to the uh, Nebraska season before they get into the Big Ten, which I think is also going to be better at the top than most people were expecting. In San Diego, so people know, they went to Oregon. They struggled a little bit there in terms of win-loss, but they were competitive against Oregon. Then they just went down to TCU and knocked them off 14-2 to two last night. Uh, so in TCU's top 10. So Nebraska right now, to your point though, Gary, basically number 10 batting average wise in the country, number eight fueling percentage. Yep. Pretty good. Like, yep. <laughs> okay, those, those are yep. two pretty important things. And then I think if you go to like ERA, you're probably not way up there, but you're probably respectable. Getting, um, getting better. Yeah. Sharpie, we will see you a little bit later at PBA, bud. Appreciate your, your insight and jumping on with us as always, man. Hey, thanks, guys. It's always fun. Corn right. crushers, Elijah. Corn, Corn crushers. crushers. Corn crushers. Think, think about it. Ready. Get back to me next Saturday. It's sweeping the nation. We will get the, uh, the go. t-shirts ready. <laughs> Sharpie, I'll, be good. I'll have a better thanks. suggestion next week, but thanks, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah, that's the whole hey, man. There he is.